If you enjoy music's greatest mysteries, you're going to love Dan Rather's The Big Interview. That guy really digs into the truth. Check out his podcast sometime. On this episode of Music's Greatest Mysteries, the baffling disappearance of Iron Butterfly bassist Philip Taylor Kramer. There's a lot of speculation on whether his disappearance was an accident, suicide, or murder. Then, the queen bee, Beyonce, stuns her fans with a song of betrayal. You better call Becky with the good hair. Who is Becky with the good hair? And finally, did the Allman Brothers host a foot-shooting party to avoid the Vietnam War? He plays one of the most iconic bass lines in rock and roll history. But Philip Taylor Kramer is not your typical headbanger. Far from it. He transforms from rock star to rocket scientist. It is definitely not your average rock star trajectory. And then one day in 1995, Kramer vanishes, leaving family, friends, and fans searching for answers. There are a lot of sinister components to Philip Taylor Kramer's story. There are a lot of things about his story that don't add up. In the 1960s, Iron Butterfly becomes heavy metal royalty with the timeless classic, In Agata De Vida. But the band fails to capitalize on their early success. And in 1974, they bring on a 23-year-old bass player, Philip Taylor Kramer, to change things up. He was six foot five, tall, blonde, good-looking, by every description, a ladies' man. He did a thousand sit-ups a day. He was somebody who could potentially breathe new life into the band. Taylor had been wanting to be a rock star for a really long time, and it was really, really exciting for him. Kramer contributes to two new albums, but it's obvious that their bassist marches to the beat of a different drummer. Philip Taylor Kramer was a rock and roller with a brain. I mean, he knew physics, he knew computers. He was the son of an electrical engineering professor at Youngstown State University. He was obsessed with math and science. While he was still an Iron Butterfly, he started going to night school and studied electrical engineering and aerospace engineering. I bet being on stage and playing was a release for him, but I bet it was never truly a career for him. When Iron Butterfly breaks up again in 1977, Kramer never looks back. He cut his hair. He didn't really tell people that he was in Iron Butterfly. His first job after Iron Butterfly was with Northrop, a weapons manufacturer, and he worked on the MX missile guidance system. I can't say this about most rock musicians, but Philip Taylor Kramer actually became a rocket scientist. Kramer eventually strikes out on his own, forming a company called Total Multimedia in 1990 with Michael Jackson's brother, Randy. It specializes in video compression software. He basically put the bass down completely and then focused all of his energy on data compression and you know all, all these other like just crazy, crazy, crazy things. 
Taylor was married, he had two kids, he had a job and a company that he really enjoyed working at. Things were, you know, seemed really good. Taylor's father, Ray, was hired by Total Multimedia as a scientist in residence. So he was working right along with his son. There was always this idea in the background that Taylor and his father were working on something that was much bigger. But no one can guess just how much bigger. I think Taylor believed that he had discovered the secret to teleportation, a way to transfer matter through space and time faster than the speed of light. He was working on some stuff that people in very high places, smart people, wanted so much so that uh, he called his dad one day and he said, Dad, if I ever call you and say, I'm gonna kill myself, it's a lie. Just know that it will be a lie and I'm gonna need your help. Has Kramer hit on something truly out of this world? Or is he suffering from paranoid delusions? He was sleep deprived, overworked, and he had financial problems. He was getting very stressed out about what he was doing with his life and what he was doing with his company. On February 12th, 1995, the 43-year-old's life takes a bizarre turn. He told his wife, I'm going out to the airport to pick up our friends. He goes to the airport. He sits in the parking garage for 45 minutes. He never picks up his friend, and then he leaves. He starts driving all over Los Angeles in his Ford Aerostar minivan. Over the course of this day, he makes 17 phone calls. Hey, what's up? It's Taylor. Hey, Taylor. I love you. And uh, just wanted you to know that Click hangs up and calls the next person. He calls Ron Bushy, the drummer from Iron Butterfly. And he says, I love you more than life itself. The 17th phone call he makes, he calls 911 at 1159. Hello, can I help you? Yes, this is Phyllis Taylor Kramer. Uh -huh. This is 911, can I help you, sir? Yes, you can. I'm going to kill myself. OK, what is your name? Hello? And then he vanished. He was gone. Hello? Was he coerced? Was he being abducted? Was he literally at the end of his rope? Coming up, the search for Philip Taylor Kramer. There's a lot of speculation on whether his disappearance was an accident, was suicide, or murder. And later, who is Becky with the good hair? And did she nearly break up Beyonce and Jay-Z's marriage? Becky with the good hair. We need to know who this woman is. Philip Taylor Kramer's disappearance on February 12, 1995, stuns family, friends, and fans alike. What happens to the former Iron Butterfly bassist who claims to make a technological breakthrough before he vanishes? Bass player Taylor Kramer vanished without a trace nine days ago, but late today, police found a recording of a 911 call Kramer made just before he disappeared. Can I help you, sir? Yes, you can. I'm going to kill myself. The simple explanation is that Kramer is depressed and commits suicide. 
but Kramer's family doubts he died by his own hand. It's alleged that he had told his father if he ever said that he was going to kill himself, that that was really a signal to his dad that, you know, someone's trying to get me. A massive hunt for the 42-year-old musician and inventor begins. Sheriffs were searching for him. His friends and his family were searching for him. Kramer's family holds out hope that he's still alive, asking the public for help on several TV shows. I want him to know we love him and we miss him. And we, you know, if there's any way he could contact us. The FBI gets involved, heightening suspicions that Kramer was targeted. But by whom? The reason that the FBI investigated his disappearance was because he had a very top-level security clearance. And when he disappeared, they were concerned that some foreign government could have taken him in the hopes of learning the secrets of the MX missile. Four years pass. And then, on May 29th, 1999, the public finally gets some answers. Hikers found a minivan that had missing plates on it in a canyon in Malibu. They found a skull and some other remains. Dental records prove it is Kramer's body. Police don't find a suicide note, nor anything suspicious in the van. Authorities officially rule Kramer's death a suicide, but many of the people closest to him don't buy it. Malibu is not, you know, some desolate, hard-to-reach corner of the universe. So the idea that his remains were there for four years is a little hard to believe. In four years, how did no one see the van at the bottom of the ravine? I think people wanted his tech, his ideas, I think he figured something out that he either wasn't supposed to or that changed the game for America in general. And my personal opinion is that he was murdered. I do, I think he was murdered. I don't personally believe that there was foul play. I don't think that anybody was out to get him. I think it all came crashing down. He hadn't been sleeping for a couple weeks and he snapped and then it happened. In the end, Kramer's death remains as intriguing as his life. The rarest of musicians who found solace in ideas and numbers rather than on stage. Beyonce Knowles, Queen Bee. When she marries Jay-Z in 2008, they immediately become music's ultimate it couple. Jay-Z and Beyonce are the power couple of the United States of America. But in 2016, this perfect image is shattered, pushing their marriage to the brink and sending their fans on a quest to find someone named Becky. Ever since her days with Destiny's Child, the Queen Bee has remained vigilant with her privacy. Beyonce doesn't give very many interviews. She doesn't talk about herself on social media. She doesn't really let us in. Beyonce is so good at controlling the narrative. It's a very perfectly manicured lifestyle. But then what blew us all away was this elevator video. 
six years into their marriage, an altercation at the Standard Hotel in New York shatters the facade of perfection. Surveillance video captures Beyonce's younger sister, Solange, attacking Jay-Z in an elevator. What was going down with Beyonce's sister, Solange? She's wailing on Jay-Z while Beyonce sits there and might as well have been, you know, popping popcorn in her mouth. And it was, whoa, even perfect couples have issues. The couple releases a press statement downplaying the incident. But rumors swirl it's triggered by Jay-Z's infidelity. There's got to be something going on when you see that footage of Salon kicking Jay-Z's in the elevator. You know what I'm saying? How is she going to address what we all saw in that video? Or was she not even going to address it at all? And thankfully, she did address it. In April 2016, Beyonce surprises fans with her sixth solo album, Lemonade, along with a short film based on the music. That was the first album that she was bringing her personal life into her musical life and saying, my private life is not off limits when it comes to my music. What's more, Beyonce seems to confront tabloid rumors about her marriage head on, presenting herself as a scorned lover. Beyonce went from a sassy woman who's singing about putting a ring on it to do not F with me and gave a lot of women a battle cry. But it's a song called Sorry that sparks a social media frenzy. Becky with the good hair. Becky with the good hair. Becky with the good hair. We need to know who this woman is. The beehive don't play. Is Becky a real person? And if so, who? The beehive gets a clue when a close family friend posts a cryptic note hours after Lemonade's release. Someone posts on Instagram photograph and a note that says, good hair, don't care. I know my jaw was on the ground. Coming up, could this woman be Becky? And is she the source of Beyonce and Jay-Z's marital problems? You don't say if you didn't do And later, do the Allman Brothers host a foot shooting party to avoid Vietnam? Dwayne had big, big plans, and there was no way he was going to let his little brother get drafted. Many critics and fans suspect Beyonce Knowles' 2016 album, Lemonade, addresses infidelity rumors in her marriage to hip-hop legend Jay-Z. But who exactly is Becky with the good hair? Fans get a clue just hours after the album's release. This suspected Becky with the good hair decides to hop on social media Instagram post, the caption, good hair, don't care. That right there set the world ablaze. Some people suspect that Rachel Roy is Becky with the good hair, that maybe she's the one who had an affair with Jay-Z. Rachel Roy, someone who was a part of their inner squad, that made this whole thing even messier. 
Not only had Roy gotten her start with Jay-Z's clothing line in 1996, she was allegedly seen fighting with Beyonce's sister Solange on the same night as the elevator incident. Rachel Roy published an Instagram post that suggested she was gonna try to stay above the drama, but you don't talk about the drama unless you're in the drama. And that means that clearly something is up. Because again, you don't say if you didn't do Rachel Roy denies being Becky with the good hair and deletes her Instagram account. But online accusations fail to slow down. As Gwyneth Paltrow, Rita Ora, a one-time Jay-Z protege, and even Taylor Swift are caught up in the rumor mill, leading some to wonder whether Beyonce and Jay-Z orchestrate the entire scandal. Was the Lemonade album a marketing ploy, or was it the real story of Beyonce's troubled marriage? At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter who Becky with the good hair is. What matters is that we're obsessed with Becky with the good hair. So. Beyonce wins, always. The Allman Brothers, a Southern rock institution and one of the greatest bands of all time. But according to legend, there might not have been an Allman Brothers band if not for one raucous booze-filled night and a 38 Special Revolver. Nineteen sixty-five. America's involvement in Vietnam escalates. In Georgia, Greg Allman graduates from high school and is nearing his 18th birthday, an age when all men must register for the draft. It was a very real fear. Every single person had a friend being drafted and sent, and in some, many cases, not coming back from Vietnam. The looming draft creates conflict for Greg and his older brother, Dwayne. Their band, the Allman Joys, is starting to have some success. Dwayne was already considered the best guitar player around. Greg was considered one of the best singers. Dwayne Allman was able to avoid the draft because he was the oldest sibling in a fatherless household. Dwayne had big, big plans, and there was no way he was going to let his little brother get drafted. So Dwayne and his younger brother hit on a plan to keep Greg out of Vietnam. The plan was very simple, of course. He'll shoot himself in the foot. Hear me out, hear me out, I have this idea. We're gonna put a target on your foot. Okay, can we get drunk first? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you can't just go and sh shoot yourself in the foot. I mean, that's no fun. You're gonna have to have a little foot shooting party. You invite some nice young ladies over, get a nice bottle of whiskey. <laughs> How are you gonna make sure you hit it? You better paint a target on your shoe. And you want to shoot between the toes, but you might blow a toe off. So they very carefully painted a target on the shoe, which uh, Greg says was a moccasin. They handed Greg a 38 Special Revolver. As the night got on and it was time to shoot, Greg started having second thoughts. It's 1965. Dwayne and Greg Allman are hosting a foot-shooting party, trying to keep Greg from being drafted. But as the night wears on, Greg's having second thoughts. Dwayne said, this was our plan. We called these nice young girls over here, and we had our party, and now you're not going to get out of this. After he took a few shots of liquid courage, pointed the gun at the target, 
38 Special comes out and blasts himself in the foot. The other funny part is that they forgot to take off the moccasin, so they didn't want to have any record that they had painted this target on the foot. So his brother snuck in and, and took it from the hospital so there wouldn't be any evidence. Sure enough, the bullet in Greg's foot results in a medical deferment, exempting him from service. I've heard a lot of interesting draft dodging stories from different artists, but that's one of the most creative ones I've heard. He shot himself, he stayed out of the draft, and he must have hit the target pretty darn well because he had no long-term disability. It worked, thank God, and thank God the Allman Brothers came out of this, but I think that could have gone south in a lot of ways. A guitarist who literally takes matters into his own hands to avoid Vietnam. A pop goddess who writes the wrongs of her marriage in a song about a temptress named Becky. And a brilliant musician who puts down his bass, rides into the abyss, and never returns. They're all part of music's greatest mysteries. Thank you for joining us for Music's Greatest Mysteries, where we investigate the legendary mysteries surrounding the biggest names in music. Now remember, if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Also, go ahead and leave us a review and don't keep the show a secret. Tell a friend. <laughs>